Hi, everyone, and welcome to Community Conversations, where we talk with members of the PH community about how they manage their daily lives while also managing their PH. In today's episode, PH caregivers Tracy and John join Dr. Guy Winch, clinical psychologist and renowned expert in the science of emotional health, to talk about how to make time for yourself as a caregiver or someone living with PH. Each of our panelists has agreed to participate because of their passion for helping others in the PH community. We are, however, required to disclose that each was compensated by Appellus Pharmaceuticals for their time preparing for and participating in this discussion. Dr. Winch? Thanks. I'm excited to hear how you both put yourselves on the list when it comes to self-care. Thanks for being willing to be with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Guy, for having me. Self-compassion is a concept based on the fact that for most people, we treat others better than how we treat ourselves. And the goal is to be as kind to ourselves as we would be to a friend or a loved one. But when you're also caring for someone with a chronic illness, it can be that much more difficult to focus on yourself and not feel guilty for doing so. Let's talk a little bit about how you show yourself some compassion, because, you know, and self-compassion, just to explain, is a, is a concept based on the fact that um, we tend to treat our loved ones, our dear friends, uh, in a kinder way um, than we do ourselves. Our internal voices about ourselves can often be harsh and critical. It's a, it's a thing we have as humans where we, we can pivot to self-criticism. And um, I'm going to say something that's not going to shock anyone. It's not useful. Uh, because the, the, the punitive finger-wagging we do towards ourselves or you know, criticizing ourselves is demoralizing, except it's very, very natural, and it's even sometimes kind of a compelling kind of urge to do that. Now, self-compassion is important because it reminds us that if it were our friend in that situation, we would never say to the friend the things we're saying to ourselves in our head. And then the trick is to reverse it, not actually not reverse it. We don't want to treat our friend badly, but we want to bring in the way mm-hmm. we would speak to our friend mm-hmm. to our own internal narrative, to our own internal dialogue. So self-compassion is a very important uh, uh, concept, I think, when you're a caregiver and also when you have PNH. And so, Tracy, let's, let's continue with you. How do you show yourself self-compassion? Well, again, I kind of do the, the same that I do for Jill. I remind myself that I'm strong. Um, And, you know, I think the hardest thing for me is I don't always have the exact right thing to say to Jillian. I want to, you know, I I want to so badly. I want to have, I want to say those magic words that just make her feel better. And sometimes I don't say the right thing. Um, Sometimes it'll even what I say upsets her more, um, you know, and then I just, then I end up feeling horrible. So I think I just have to tell myself, okay, I, you know, if, if I did hurt her feelings and I apologize and we move on and I try not to beat myself up for saying the right thing. And I, and she knows, you know, we've had these discussions over the last two years. I can't always you know, say the exact right thing. Obviously I want to, um, but, um, you know, and I'm not always going to be my best self if I'm tired or feeling intolerant that day. Um, I'm, sometimes I'm, maybe I'm more short um, with her or with what's going on with her. So 
I just have to give myself a little bit of, um, you know, just let myself know that that's okay. You know, I can try to be better tomorrow, you know, or a little more patient um, tomorrow. But I usually just know, you know, I'm sorry. I had a bad day. I just need a minute, you know, to myself. I can say that now. I never used to say that, but I can, I can honestly say that I can say that now. Like, I just need a minute. I'm going to go take a bath or take a walk or something. I kind of put myself in a little mental timeout and then I can come back and I can be much, much better, a much better, just caregiver, mom, um, person. Once I do that. I'm so glad you're saying that because I think there's really important uh, tips here in what you're saying. And, and just that example of you can't always say the right thing in the moment because you might have had a difficult day or you're trying to say the right thing, but it doesn't go down well. And then you start feeling bad that no, now, now she's upset. Now I upset her even more. And then that's exactly the kind of time that a caregiver, a caregiver can go into self-criticism like, oh, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I do this? Mm-hmm. Or and and for you, I think it comes, you, you say you're learning it, but I do think it comes a little bit naturally that you can, you know, rationalize that to yourself and say, well, okay, I had a bad day. I can't always say the right thing. But for people who can't think of that in that moment, that's what the self-compassion exercise is, that you, you know, pause, take a minute for yourself, but even in your head say, all right, but this were a friend of mine telling me like, yeah, my daughter wasn't feeling well and I was trying to comfort her and I said this and it just made her more upset and I'm so upset with myself that I made her more upset. You would say to that friend, you're trying to be so supportive and you work so hard at it. You can't be perfect all the time. Of course, you're sometimes going to say the wrong thing. It can't be avoided. And then you're going to say the right thing after that. So remember, you're doing the best you can, et cetera, et cetera. So do that mental exercise of what would I say to a friend in my situation or if my close friend who is supportive of me were here what would they say to me to kind of talk me down and make me realize I am trying to do my best so that I think is super important and the other thing that's important is that if you have said you know the wrong thing quote unquote if it's wrong if it was received uh you know not in the way that that you expected to own it it's quick to do and say like Mm -hmm. sorry I didn't mean uh to upset you but then it's fair to say but I I just need a minute because I'm you know I've had a difficult day. I need to get my head into the right space. And then it's it's really a, a classic example of if you take the time you need to take care of yourself in those moments, so you're feeling better, you'll there, thereby be able to come back and 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 be able to be more present and have some more, like have a deep breath and 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 be there for them. But if you're at the edge, if you don't have a lot of reserves, if your cup is spilling over, you've got to make room in the cup for yourself. Um, you know, you, you you have to take care of your needs a little bit because otherwise you won't be able to do as good a job with the person that you're um, caregiving. So I think that's, those are really, you know, great, great um, tips. Um, John, how about you? How do you make time for yourself when, when you need to do that? I enjoy going away racing and stuff like that. So when I do go away on those trips, um, I don't have a lot of time during the winter time when I'm working and stuff like that. So when it comes to the summertime, and I can finally get away and go away mm. racing. It's something that I really enjoy to do. So it just makes me a better caregiver because now I'm, if I did have any kind of stress, like back to the stress thing, I can relieve it while I'm at the racetrack. It's what I enjoy to do. And I come back and I'm a better caregiver. Erin um, does go away racing with me as well. So she is there, but it's still 
for me. You know what I mean? It's something that mm-hmm. I love to do. Um, and when you have that passion for something like that, uh, it tends to just make you, you know, a happier person. And I think that's great. Again, I'm, by the way, um, anyone listening, if, if you have passions, great. If you don't, find one, explore, just try different things until something really clicks. And sometimes it can be unexpected. You can be like, I didn't think I'll get into that that much, but I just got so absorbed in it. You never know. Um, so finding a passion is important. But John, let me ask you, so what do you do sometimes if you know you are trying to prioritize your needs? How, how do you deal with times when which you might feel guilty about it or you're, you're worried about Aaron and like, how do you deal with the guilt aspect of these things? So obviously uh, with, with COVID going on and stuff like that, I felt kind of guilty. Like I did go away to a few races during COVID um, and I felt guilty because Aaron could go obviously with health stuff. And I was very careful. I was there, wore a mask, et cetera, or whatever. But, um, you know, you just, you have to realize you're doing it for yourself. So even though you feel guilty, if I didn't go, I wouldn't be as good as a caregiver because I'm not going to be happy. You know what I mean? I'm, I have a lot of stress involved in my life. And if it's one thing that I have to do to make myself feel better, um, unfortunately, sometimes you have to, you have to take that leap. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't think it's unfortunately because I think that part of what you're saying, and I think this is really important, is that you know yourself well enough to know that I need to do this for myself. Even if I'm feeling a little guilty, I should do this for myself because when I do that for myself, I will have recharged and I will then be able to be even more present and even better as a caregiver for Erin. So I'm giving it to myself, but it's also for her because that will allow me to be able to be there for her and be there for her in a you know, in a, in a better way than if I'm really not taking care of my needs or really not doing the things that I have passion for and that really recharge me. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a good way to think about that in that way. And Tracy, what about you? How do you prioritize your needs without feeling guilty? Well, I was getting out of the sort of mom guilt. Um, those of us that are moms, we all kind of know what that is. Yes. Um, Jillian was diagnosed when she was 19. So she was at a stage of her life where she was starting to become very independent, you know, obviously make her own choices, kind of start her own life. And then she was diagnosed with PNH. So of course, um, you know, she moved back home and um, I basically started taking care of her, taking her to all her doctor's appointments. And so the mom guilt kind of came back with a vengeance. So Um, you know, we just, like I said, it's still, it's still hard. It's getting easier. Um, this summer I had a trip planned with my sister and my best friend. Um, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to take it because Jill had some medical issues going on and, you know, it was just, it was right up until just a couple days before, um, that we got it kind of worked out a little bit and she felt okay with our plan of talking every day. You know, obviously my husband was going to be here with her. She had her whole support system that she already always has. Um, and it, it was honestly, it was probably the best thing because she saw that nothing really happened while I was gone. You know, she, she talked to me, um, every day. Um, but she was fine. And I came back from my trip and just like John said, I felt kind of recharged and um, had a great time. And it was good for her because she realized everything was fine. Mom wasn't here, but nothing, you know, there were no emergencies. She didn't have to have um, 
any trips to the doctor when I was gone, any trips to the emergency room. So it was good. It was good for both of us, I think. And, um, you know, when I left, I felt a little guilty, but um, it went away, you know, as we, as we um, talked on the phone, definitely felt, felt better and not, not guilty. I can honestly say when I got home, I wasn't feeling guilty. <laughs> I was, I was happy that I did it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did it too, but, but there's, I want to suggest something to both of you and to anyone who's a caregiver who's, who's listening, um, is that it, it's okay to say, I think, to your loved one, hey, I'm, I really need to do this. I really want to do this, but I'm feeling guilty uh, about doing it. And I, I really need your blessing. Or I re- would really love you to reassure me that it's okay from, from your point of view. It's okay to own the guilt and say, I'm feeling guilty about it, but I, need, I know I need to do it. I'm feeling guilty. Can you help me out here and tell me that it's okay and that you'll be okay? And I think it's okay to ask for that. And, um, and, and I think getting that reassurance will, will help alleviate the guilt. And it's also an opportunity for your loved one to do something for you by giving you that absolution kind of thing, you know, as it were. And so there's, some, there's a real reciprocity there, you know, I think um, as well that, you know, that, um, and, them saying to you, like, no, it'll be okay, will will help resolve, I think, some of the guilt or the worry that you have. And I think you you mentioned, Tracy, uh, in one of our conversations that, you know, it's like that the thing they say about the oxygen masks on the plane, you got to put yours on first before you you, you help the other the other person. And, and that's a great reminder that you really have to take your own temperature when you are, and by temperature, I mean emotional temperature, um, when you uh, are caregiving because you you have to keep track of how depleted you're getting you have to keep track of when you do need to find something that's recharging um or you know john like in your case it could be the winter months are difficult to do that but then in those months you can just look forward and anticipate to the summer months when you'll be able to go racing and, and and do the things that you like to do but it's it's important to really keep track of how you're doing um back to this issue of communicating because by communicating very, very openly to your loved one saying, hey, I really want to do this thing. I'd love your blessing so I don't feel guilty. They get to communicate with you openly. You get to kind of negotiate it. And, but the good thing about that is also like, you know, if something had happened, you know, Tracy, while you were away, then, you know, you would have, but you got the permission ahead of time. You, you know, you had the coverage with your husband and perhaps your mom and whoever was, was helping out. And so you did the best you could, you know, and then you can, Again, try and go in as much a clearer frame of mind as possible. But but truly, being a, a caregiver is demanding. And for most of the, for you too, for sure, for most people listening, it is on top of other responsibilities you have professionally, personally, familiarly. And so it can be a lot. So you really do have to keep your finger on the pulse of how you're doing, stress levels, you know, just energizing levels, you know, recharging levels. And then really, if you need to recharge, then to really listen to that and not let the, oh, but what will happen? Find the coverage, find the bench of people to support and, and really give yourself those breaks. You'll, you really, really do, do need them as a, as a caregiver for someone with PNH. Um, and the last thing I want to emphasize here is that we were talking about passion and, and the things you really enjoy doing. Those are really recharging for us. And so engaging in those passions that you have, the hobbies, the things you enjoy are really, really 
important. And they're important for your loved one as much as for you because they will allow you to come and to be a better caregiver and be a better self uh, when you do. And again, the principle psychologically is if an activity really, really absorbs you, then it's a good one. I, I remember once I was on a trip when I was you know, younger, I think even a teenager, and someone said, oh, you should try sketching. And I'm like, I don't, it's not a, it's not a thing I do. And they said, just try it. And I, they sat me down by a statue. I forget where we were, maybe in Italy. And, and they said, just start, just sketch an arm, you know, like try and do. And then they came back after and they said, okay, we really have to go. They're closing the museum. And I'm like, what do you mean? I said, it's been two hours. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> sketching. Who knew, you know, like, and I don't even like sketching that much theoretically, but I know that I do because I get so absorbed in it. So if you're getting absorbed in something, um, that's a good, that's a good passion. That's a good thing to explore. So I really want to thank you guys, Tracy and John, for um, these great, great tips. And I think they're really helpful. I think they're really wise psychologically. I think they really are useful in terms of promoting emotional health of your own and thereby for your loved one with uh, PNH. And I think these are great strategies for managing stress and for building resilience and for recharging and for really being able to keep that balance that you need to keep when you have a lot of demands and you have a loved one that you're caregiving. So thank you so much for those ideas. I think they're great. But unfortunately, we are out of time for now. Dr. Winch, thank you so much for guiding this discussion today. And you too, John and Tracy, for sharing so many different ideas on how you care for yourself while also caring for someone else. If you'd like to hear from others in the PNH community or learn more tips from Dr. Winch, be sure to visit our website at thisispnh.com. We're always adding new resources, video and audio clips, so check back regularly. And thanks for joining us.